Hi, I'm Angela Lucier, a professional public speaker, seven-time author, two-time TEDx speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And I'm Dr. Jolie Hamilton, a research psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and ASECT certified sex educator. Together, we're the hosts of Claim the Stage, a podcast about speaking and sisterhood. If you've been a fan, you know I've been doing this show solo, and it's been all about public speaking for years. Well, that all changes now. Well, you're still talking about speaking on stage, but now we're also going to focus on the three things that you need to make an impact, your voice, confidence, and sisterhood. This show is a training ground to go from dreaming to creating. Right. And we'll still be doing interviews with expert guests. Plus, you'll also get more personal stories and insights from us as well. I'm really excited to see where this goes. Me too. And slightly freaked out. Yeah, me too. Welcome to the next chapter of Claim the Stage. Hey. Hey there. So... Last time we chatted, we were at the beach. Yeah, it was a very cold beach. That sounded really, really awesome for just a second. I mean, it was awesome, but not because we were like lounging in bathing suits side the beach side. It was 40 degrees on that beach and windy. Yeah, and we were wearing winter coats and hats. But Butterfinger, how are you? <laughs> so, so good, Ms. Zazzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for our show today because we are talking to Pam Victor, who is a friend of ours. And she has been on the show before, which I will link her past episode where we talked all about her work and improv. And we talked a little bit about speaker sisterhood as well. And she is just such a delight to talk to. And I love her perspective. And we both have taken improv classes with her in the past and have learned a lot. And, you know, when I first signed up for improv, I thought it was like stand-up comedy. I had no idea what I was signing up for. I was just like, oh, I love, I love making jokes. And then it was basically the first four minutes of the first class. She's like, this isn't stand-up comedy. I was like, wait, what am I doing here? I don't know what I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> and then she started to reveal a lot of the foundational um, elements of what improv really is. And I was so excited when I found out that it was not at all about comedy. It was about showing up as yourself and owning your voice and being, um, you know, not, not um, worrying about how you're showing up, what you're saying, but just letting things flow through you and owning the moment and being present. And I was like, all of this is working for me in a great way. And I can't believe that this is called improv. It should be called like life training. Yeah. So, Which is how Pam treats it. It's yeah. very much life training and life living. Mm -hmm. And I think that the comedy, yeah, it's like a byproduct. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And I love it. I love improv, but it's a byproduct of the, of the doing and the just being present. It's amazing. Well, and as she calls it, uh, you're demonstrating your Eunice. And right. th that's what people are really connecting to and laughing at and finding humor in is when you're really showing up as yourself and owning that. And the word Eunice always makes everyone laugh. It just sounds like, like a Eunice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about, it's, it's spelled Y-O-U-N-E-S-S, -S, right? Yeah. With, an, with a dash. Yeah. With the, with, with the dash. I think yeah. an M dash maybe even. <laughs> What's an M dash? I just really like the M dash. M dash, like the dashes, there's an N dash and an M dash. 
like one's a little short dash and one's a longer dash. I love an M dash. That brings me joy. The M dash is that the longer dash? The longer dash. I just learned something new. I didn't know they had different names. Yeah. I love, I love a good M dash. (sighs) I do too. Yeah. Actually I had an editor who was like, you're only using the short dashes and we need to turn all of them into longer dashes. She never said that that was called an M dash. Dude. Are you a real editor? Where did you get your degree? Use the cool names. <laughs> so what would you say you took away from improv training? Oh gosh, a, a lot. I mean, I I showed up because Pam had post. I knew Pam. I've known Pam, I think for two decades now. Because wow. um, we met first um, when we were homeschooling our kids. And then she posted something where she said, if you're scared of what I'm posting, you should come to this. I was like, I am scared of what you're posting because it said improv. And I instantly went to like these visions of second city and like, and of all of these people who were skilled and whatever the heck I thought an actor was. And so that did sound scary, but more importantly, it sounded like something that I different. So I just showed up and I didn't know what I was in for. And I really did like it because it got me out of my mode, my mode of being. So the thing I most learned was to experiment with other ways of being. So as much as like you-ness is part of it, for sure, being authentic, I also felt like I didn't have a spot in my life for trying on other, other things, other parts of me. I, it, it gave me a chance to play and find out what, what me actually was. Yeah. And it was a really critical time of my life. So I really, really needed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's a big part of it too, is like, when am I performing and when am I showing up as myself? What's the difference? And how do I know when one of those is happening? (laughs) Right. And if you have a history with codependence, as so many of us do, right. Yeah. Then, (laughs) right. Yeah. Just raise your hand. It's fine. It's all cool. Um, if you have a history with that, then you may not know. Um, yeah. Raise your hand. If you're not even sure whether you're showing up and performing in some environments, I think that was the trick for me. I didn't totally recognize where I was showing up and performing versus being myself. And I needed a space where I could play around with that. And to be perfectly honest, where I could get my feelings in a bunch, get my panties in a twist, like have feelings, experience it. And nothing was riding on it. It was just improv. It was fine. It wasn't my work. It wasn't raising my children. It wasn't trying to negotiate the next deal. It was just a time that honestly wasn't going to matter. All Mm -hmm. I needed to do was be there, which was great. That was, that was the perfect thing. And it helped me experiment enough to claim parts of myself that I had previously thought of as, um, childish and, and claim them and bring them into my adult self. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I also remember leaving classes and my cheeks hurt every single time from (laughs) laughing for two hours straight. (laughs) Totally. And yeah, just a, a smile just plastered on my face and, to have that kind of play and laughter and just connection with people who are kind of letting themselves go and just be in the moment as well. I had never experienced anything like that. I can't remember a time in my life when I was participating in something in that way. And it felt really freeing and nice. So for anyone who is listening to this thinking that sounds really fun and scary, you should 
just try it if you get a chance, if you have the opportunity to go to an improv school at some point, if, if any of them, you know, open back up when we come back to the world. It's going to happen. It's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But in so, the meantime, there's other stuff going on. Because I love that, like what we just talked to Pam about was amazing. Like, right. All of those principles that she had as the foundation for her, the way she trained us in improv, they all translate to other, other modes. Like we don't, we don't have to just use them on the improv stage. So there's other stuff to do too. Absolutely. Cool. Well, before we jump into our interview with Pam, do you want to share any life updates and what you're doing right now? Yeah. So I, uh, I continue to be um, a busy little bee who keeps saying, I'll just have this one more thing and this one more thing, <laughs> which is yeah. totally in the spirit of, you know, being present and, and um, self-care totally note the sarcasm. Um, I, I, I have learned something very important this semester. I have learned that in fact, I have limits and they are not, they're not the limits I thought they were. I learned that um, my, my limits aren't so much what I can do, but what I can enjoy doing. And so I am henceforth scaling back. Um, this is going to be my last semester spent this way, which is feels good. Um, and so that's led me to get serious about what it's going to mean to do my work. And I, I've really, I've tightened up my offerings to reflect the, the work I want to actually do. So I'm still seeing clients one-to-one -one, and that's been amazing. Um, but I'm, I, I've specifically developed my offerings to be more clear for my clients and for me. So I have a three-month offering and a six-month offering where we reinvent your relationship from the ground up. We, we get in and we do that important relationship work, but we, in a way that lets us both, you as the person who's learning and trying to put new practices into order and me as your support system really know exactly what to expect. So it's less open-ended and more, more clear and crisp. And um, so I put it into practice in trial mode since January. And the, so the first trials are complete and it was amazing. It was fantastic. And now I feel like I'm really ready to, to put my stake in the sand and say, this is what I'm doing. This, this, um, these, the idea that as a coach, I can not only support and validate people's feelings and experiences, but also help them show up for themselves and actively make change a deadline really helps that. Yeah. Like, so that's what I've been doing is really just like honing my, my program offerings and it feels really good. And now that I am going to set down all of this teaching load and learning load, I'll have even more time to take that on with people. That's, that sounds like a lot of growth. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Setting some stuff down to pick up better, bigger and better things that serve me and hopefully the world better. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> what about you? What have you been up to? <laughs> well, I think it was probably six or seven weeks ago, I was feeling really overwhelmed with all the work and the goals I had set for myself. And, and I wasn't feeling any joy around what I was trying to build all the, the work that I had on my plate um, every day. It just all felt like, I just need to get this done. I need to get through this. I need to get this over with. And that was just such a a, a bad, gross feeling to have every day, knowing that I'm building a business that I love yet all of the work I'm doing, I don't enjoy what is wrong with this picture. 
And so I put all of it down and decided to just take a step back. And it's, it's really, it's confusing as a business owner to say, I'm not going to actively work on building my business right now, because that's what I've been doing since the day it started. And to just be, just say to myself, I'm only going to work on the stuff that's already on my plate. And the rest of the time I'm going to spend enjoying life, thinking about where I want to be putting my time to build the business next and what feels good to me now, not what, what were my goals in 2017, 2018 that I didn't get to, or how have, how have, um, how's the business changed and, and what did I not accomplish before? It's more like, what, what do I want to spend my time working on right now that will light me up and bring value to the world? And I don't have the answer to that question yet. So I'm excited to just keep sitting with it. And there are days where I feel so guilty that I'm doing this because I feel an intense amount of pressure to keep things moving at a fast pace and the commitment to my clubs and the members to always be building and growing and getting the word out about speaker sisterhood. And yet at the same time, it's like, I never, I'm a human and I never made a promise to anyone that I would spend every waking hour building something. And, and how is that even a benefit to anyone anyway? So I have a lot of feelings that come up about going slow, but for the most part, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm starting to take more time to just like be mindful and thoughtful with myself and with my time and with my family and friends and it's been really nice. So I'm in that space right now and just enjoying it. I'm, I'm loving the example that you're setting, um, probably for listeners, but also for me, um, because it is really hard to hold the identity of business owner and say, yep. And I, that doesn't mean I have to go at a hundred percent growth and I can even be showing up 100% right where I am, but that doesn't always mean growth. It reminds me of that, that relationship escalator, you know, like, okay, so we've done this. So we have to move to the next stage and the next stage and the next stage until I have to leave, right? But there, there's, there's another way. What about like, what about taking a wander? What about just existing? And it's also reminding me of the, the way you parent. You don't parent by like constantly forcing a child to grow. In a way, a business is like that. You don't force your child to grow. You you witness their growth, and you and you you know you catch them where things aren't going well. There's this a relaxed attitude where you can like rock back into yourself and and really just let the thing that you created because your your business is so doing its thing out in the world like it it actively is yeah. So allowing that to happen, there's strength in that, and it's hard to it's trusting strength, right? Like absolutely practicing that. Yeah. And I've never done that before. I've always had the pedal to the metal, like, yeah, things are moving, but they could be moving even faster. So I'm going to keep trying to push it and to just allow things to move at the pace that they're moving is intensely uncomfortable, (laughs) but also freeing because I don't have to have a plan right now. So it's nice. And I've been able to spend more time thinking about and you know, um, being with the guy that I'm dating and it's been really nice to be in a relationship again with, you know, a romantic interest who shows up for me and 
is interested in learning about me and listening and wants to be intentional about how we're building our relationship. And we had that, our defining the relationship talk a couple of weeks ago. And it was just, um, it was really nice to think through all of these elements of what we both wanted and how we wanted it to look and say them out loud to each other. Even though on the inside, I was like, oh no, I don't want to say this out loud. Cause what if he doesn't agree with it? And then it's over and I'll never see him again. But it was also so, um, which is really funny. Stop and just take that in for a minute. So the other option, the, the option that you take it before this, okay. You said you wanted to do live coaching this. I know you've already heard this from me, but it's amazing to me I know. how we all me too. So we don't say the things that we want and need, and then we have the relationship anyways. And then we're shocked when it, we didn't get what we want and need. Look, I didn't say it made sense. And I started this conversation with this guy saying, so the way that I've always approached relationships in the past is I would just silently hope that everything would work out the way I wanted it to. And I would never say anything about what I was hoping would happen. And he's like, me too. I was like, great. So let's not do that. And we both agreed that we had so many points in that conversation where we felt more scared than we ever had in our life. Cause we had to say, this is the kind of relationship I want to have. And it turns out at the end of the conversation, we were pretty much in alignment on everything. And we just took a deep breath and we, we, uh, went in the backyard and we laid in the hammock for a little while. And just like, we were so proud of ourselves because we did it. And I feel like this time in my life is a chance for me to be more intentional and thoughtful with everything. So that's kind of what I'm doing and it's been great. And it's different from just trying to constantly push things and make things happen. And I'm done with I'm, that. I'm 40, I'm yo. So, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I'm so excited because it also, it transforms the purpose of the relationship. The purpose isn't, does this work out? The purpose is, well, first, let me define, what do we want? Because then whatever, wh- wherever you go from there could be working out. Yeah. Like wh- wherever it is, that's the joy of a conscious partnering. Like it could be anything, including no longer having, you know, the, the typical form, including anything at all, which remove, it just totally screws with the idea that there's a way for your life to go, which means you get to be you. Yeah. That makes me super happy. Me too. It's about time. Yeah. Well, let we me inter- do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to introduce today's guest, give you a little more background on who Pam Victor is. She is a professional improviser, an author, teacher, corporate facilitator, and speaker, happiness coach, and founder and president of Happier Valley Comedy, the first and only comedy theater in Western Massachusetts, which provides regular shows full curriculum comedy training program, and the Through Laughter program for professional and personal development and happiness. Pam is also the creator of the online wellness program, Resilience, I can never say that word, Resilience Through Joy, the 30-day happiness experiment, which is the program we talk about on the show today. Other things about Pam, she's a TEDx speaker. She's the author of Baj and the Word Launcher and Improvisation at the Speed of Light. She's a recipient of the New England Public Radio Arts and Humanities Award, a mother of two adult daughters, and she likes you already. Find more about Pam at happiervalley.com. And that program, Resilience Through Joy, does launch next week. So if you're interested in checking it out, definitely go check out her website. And she is giving away a free spot in there. And you can find out more about that at happiervalley.com. So without further ado, here is our interview with Pam Victor. Mm-hmm. 
to jump right in. <laughs> We're welcoming Pam Victor to the back to the show. I'm gonna say you're a alum, a love alum of the show. I alum alum is a funny alum, word. Alumner of the show. Alumner, alumna. I didn't I really love the show <laughs> very much. Um, so we're off to a weird start already, we and I'm actually kind of loving that. I can't imagine anything better for it's a more, Pam appearance than just like jumping right into the weird. Yeah. You know, I can't, I don't think that I've ever been in the same room with both of you or actually at, at TEDx. Yeah. yeah at in TEDx. a hallway. We were once in a hall. We shared a hallway experience for like 14 seconds. Right. But Other than that, you have different, like, yeah, we've just been all different places. Yeah. yeah. And do you know, Angela, that uh, Jolie and I, like we homeschooled our, in the early, her first uh, brood of kids was when back I in was the home, day. back in the day. I did so know you had day. that homeschool connection. Yeah. Yep. When we were homeschooling before, it was cool. Oh, yeah. I don't think, <laughs> I'm not sure it's cool now, but like before anybody knew what it was, so they would scratch their heads and be like, what does that mean back then? Yeah. 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 And then you reconnected over improv. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, just being and then TEDx. And when we did, we went through the TEDx experience together, which we- Nervous diarrhea together. What's better than that? <laughs> <laughs> Holding hands under the stall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't do that, but I would. No, no. <laughs> well, if you guys need to take a break anytime during this interview for nervous <laughs> diarrhea, please let me know. And right. So you're saying that like I'm not sitting on a toilet right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome everyone to the show. Uh, <laughs> we have an improviser in our, in our, uh, what's the next word? Mitts. Mitts. Thank you. <laughs> See? And <laughs> we can do the whole podcast one word at a time. I do we love that have. one word story. We use that a lot, Pam. So many of your games show up in Speaker Sisterhood. Um, so we're, we're kind of going to talk about how to incorporate wellness and well-being into your daily habits in one to five minutes per day, because Pam is offering a new uh, course. Would you call it a course or a program? It's a program. It's a program. It's called called. program. Okay. Uh, Resilience through joy, the 30 day happiness experiment. And she's actually going to be giving away one um, ticket to one free spot to a listener. So if you listen through the episode and you like what Pam is talking about, she'll tell you how you can win, possibly win a ticket. And we're also going to talk about your business, Pam, because you have an improv school or do you call it a comedy school? What do you, I call it a training program, training program, so because many. that is the school, the comedy school. It is the professional development and the personal development. Yeah. And you had just opened a theater year before COVID yeah. and then COVID happened and we had to close the theater. And so what have you been doing for the last year to pivot your business and sort of still provide programs for your people? It has been a process, my friends. I mean, as you know, and never in my life have I been so grateful for my improv training as I have over the last year plus. Because, and, I feel, and I feel bad and I've been working so hard to help other people have improv training uh, with this kind of stuff because if I didn't have my improv training to fall back on, I'd probably still be hiding under my bed at this point. Um, and it's been like, it's, it's a, it was a total process for us. And that's what it is. That's improv. Like, we don't know how it's going to, sh- we don't know how the show is going to sh- show up. We don't know how the show is going to turn out. So we just show up and take it one step at a time, paying attention as much as possible. And then moving forward. That's how I define improvisation. The 
uh, a, the acceptance of the reality of the moment, this is what's happening right now, and the agreement to move forward together with positivity. And with the pandemic, it took me, I'd say like three months, maybe more to come into acceptance, honestly, uh, because I kept fighting it. I kept being like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna do. And, and I discovered that um, Scott Braidman is our artistic director and general manager. So, and I call him my partner and so in business. And so we discovered that my response is to fight. So it, not to fight with him, but to fight for, the business. And I was like, okay, we'll do classes online and shows online. And blah, blah, blah. you know, I had like 5,000 great ideas. Yeah. Uh, right. You, yeah, I know you both know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then we discovered Scott had his second child three days before we closed down. So Tuesday he had his son, his son was born on, and then he was on paternity leave. I called him on Friday and I'm like, sorry to bother you. I checked with the board. Our, clo our theater's closed by. Like, <laughs> so Everything's cool. Everything's cool. Bye. <laughs> Sorry, I ruined the company. You left for three days. We have no more company. Thanks. Bye. Uh, so he was in, I think, because of all this, he was, his is freeze. And this is who he is anyways. Uh, so freeze, nobody changed, nothing, nothing changed, nobody moved. So a lot of, it took us a lot of time to sort of parse all that out because he's like, I don't want to do anything. Don't try anything. And he said no to me for everything. <laughs> Which is such a great thing for Pam to hear, right? Yeah. Knowing you just the, as much as I do, I'm betting that hearing no a lot went down really well. Killed me, killed me. Like, it's just like, I'm fighting for my life here, buddy. And all I'm getting is no. And we had, and, but that's the process. Like, it, that's just it. Like, it's just because this is our, our practice doesn't mean, especially when we're in fear, we, we be, we're human beings. So finally, after butting heads for a while and sort of sorting it out, I was like, dude, you got to yes and me, which doesn't mean agreeing to the idea, but just seeing where it's going to go, right? So it's a long, it was a long ass story, but, uh, and a long process, but I finally got to, we tried lots of stuff out. Turns out my joy and ease, because that's really one of my touch points in life. Uh, those are my two big touch points, joy and ease. Given the reality of the situation, where's the joy? Or if there's no joy, where's the peace? And where is the ease, right? And I know Angela says it's like riding a Cheerio down a, right? I always say it's like riding a, riding a kayak down, down a uh, river and not paddling against the tide, but you say it's a Cheerio, which cracks me up. And I that every time I explain it, which brings me joy. So, and it was, it felt like fighting to teach improv online and we weren't making money doing it. We tried it though. So great. We tried it. We weren't making enough money to make it worth it. And it just made me feel like my energy was usually that fills my tank and my tank was like, yeah, empty, no fun. And shows online also not so much fun, except for one show that fills my, a couple of shows. We did drunk high sober and <laughs> we did that online. Yeah, one of us drunk, one of us was drunk, one of us was high, and one of us was sober. Uh, we did an online improv show. And then as the, as the pandemic went on, nobody wanted to be the sober one. <laughs> so it became high, high tequila. But even that stopped being fun. So all of that went by the wayside. And, sort of started, and Scott took a year off to be with his son, which was amazing. One of those fantastic byproducts of a not so great situation. But me, what I've discovered because of the work I've been doing the last couple of years is 
my purpose in life is to facilitate connection, growth, and joy. So I know that in order for me to be, have been able to survive happily, joyfully and easily, I have to be able to live my purpose. I just had to. So I figured out a way to continue to facilitate connection, growth, and joy through the happiness experiment. And so I devised this program. That's been my pivot. I've been like working all year long on creating, rolling out, revising, honing this something I could do completely online. It's very exciting because it's the first thing I've ever done that's scalable, business word, uh, alert, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag, right? hashtag word. scalable. <laughs> hashtag scalable, hashtag bizspeak. <laughs> hashtag living the dream. <laughs> hashtag kinda sorta. On the Florida day bed. I love Hashtag, it. this is a nightmare and it's harder than I thought. <laughs> Hashtag, I didn't want to start anything new. Right, right I, when you were settling in, you had, just, just, you had hit a sweet spot. That I think was really, you and I each have an interesting entry to the pandemic. You had had this, I, I remember sitting in your theater. It was always sold out. We were all packed in there. It was literally a hoot. It was one of the highlights of my month when I would get up to a show. And, um, and then the rug 300 people, 300 people on our wait list. Like, that's amazing. It's amazing. And then sort of have that yanked out from under you and then refill it with what, what's going to fill up that space. So it sounds like you needed to allow yourself to really let go. Was there some grieving to do? Oh, super grieving. I cried. I can still cry about it pretty easily. But we had a community meeting a couple, a month or so in, and uh, maybe not coincidentally, I'm, a, I'm also doing this thing where I feel my emotions. Whoa. Whoa. I know. You should try it. Whoa. I, know, Jolie, I don't want to do that. I know. I know. And, and is like, no, no friggin' way. And Julie's like, yeah, what? What do you mean? I do that. Well, yeah, except I came to that hard way. So, oh, yeah. so who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not always comfortable. <laughs> Weird. So we had that community meeting and I told, I gave Scott before the meeting, I wrote this thing up in their little Zoom chat. I was like, when I start to cry, because every time I thought about the company that we had built so well, like even the, the professional development, which was always the hardest part of the company, we had just hit the point that I didn't have to hustle to get jobs. The jobs were coming to me. Right. So the less fun part, which is that the hustling part is less fun The doing it super fun. So yeah, we had, we were in the sweet spot. So I, I, t- I typed this thing to Scott at our community meeting. I said, when I start to cry, just cut and paste this. Uh, Pam is doing this thing where she starts to, when she's feeling her emotions, she's crying because she's feeling sad right now, but she believes that everything's going to work out fine. So that's what, that's what he did when I started crying in the meeting. But yes, tremendous grief. I mean, I think it, I'm still in, like, I think we're all in traumatic grief right now. And I, and I'm really preparing myself and learning a bit more about trauma and grief, because I think it's going to happen in class that we're the next couple of years are going to be, because improv puts us into a really vulnerable place. And I'm quite sure trauma and grief is going to come up more in class. I agree. I think that you, you work in one of those spaces that it's not therapy, but boy, is it therapeutic. And that, that puts you in, in the a great position to facilitate people processing what has happened, what's been going on. And for some people that what has happened may just be that they've let go of 
they had to let go of their routines, let go of the way that they did self-care, let go of a lot of things and make space for having a crappy year, right? Like it, it hasn't been a great year for everybody. It's been a great year for some people and it's been really, really hard. And so now I'm hearing that you have created something that's that's supposed to allow us to be resilient in a very compact period of like a, a compact time investment. And I'm loving that because I, I don't know whether you could possibly imagine this, but my response to being very, very busy and very traumatized is to book more stuff <laughs> and to fill up my life as full as possible. So um, I, I think you said one to five minutes and I think I could probably find one. Right. And so, and, and if you think you can find one minute for self-care, you so need to take this program. Right. <laughs> Here's how you know. <laughs> Here's how you know. I mean, that's one of our marketing is like, that's the limit. That's what, that's what I say in the marketing. And if you don't have time, you don't have one to three minutes for self-care, you absolutely need to take this program. Yeah, it should be required. It should be required. I, I count myself in this category as well. I'm the same. Uh, right. So being busier is better than being busy. <laughs> and it's a, it's a technique for right. Not feeling our emotions It's a technique for not sitting in the um, discomfort of the unknown. It's a technique for, yeah, not, not being, not knowing what's next. So I do the happiness experiment with each group. I walk through it and I adopt one of the happiness habits. So how it works. And it's a program that goes from 30 minutes there are some people who book it just for 30 minute little things I come in and present for them. So I'll just do one or two happiness habits, or it could go by the full program that's kicking off uh, in, on May 8th is 30 days. So I present 11 happiness habits and, you, and each of them have different sizes. I call them small, medium, large. So the small could be done in like 30 seconds to three minutes. Medium is like about five minutes. Large is 10 minutes or more. And you pick the one that you think is going to fit your style and schedule. So for one example, for 30 seconds here, Jolie, this is the one you could do. And you know this one, five good breaths. Oh, yeah. I use your five good breaths uh, every single day but, and every single so client. Every Yeah. And, and yeah, I don't think life, I, I don't actually think I would have survived the pandemic um, and experiencing more, more family loss, uh, you know, yet again, I don't think I would five good breaths is yeah. And sometimes it takes 10 breaths to get five good ones, but that, that habit is just like, you set a timer, you put it into your calendar, you set an alarm, whatever it takes at some point during the day or first thing in the morning, you sit there and take five breaths. How do you define a good breath? How do you define a good breath? I would think of it as a deep, slow breath, maybe in through your nose and out through your mouth. But I don't know if that's what you're saying, because I don't think I've heard you talk about that. Yeah, we start all classes the, in improv uh, these days with five good breaths. It's, it's, I'm not going to tell you how to do what your five good breaths are, because yours are going to be different than mine. And sometimes when I was not at my goodest good breath phase, when I was using this as my happiness experiment, it would be like, <laughs> I love that you don't define it because I, the first time I was exposed to breath work, um, I was shamed, publicly shamed by a yoga teacher because I had constant nasal congestion and I could not breathe. I, I couldn't, it was physically impossible. And she publicly shamed me. And I, 
I didn't know what to do with it. I actually stayed with that teacher for a long time. And it took me years to realize like she made me feel bad or she attempted to make me feel bad about how my body worked. Wait, oh, and it sunk deep. And then actually took me further away from practicing anything to do with my breath or having that tool of coming back to the breath. So I love the way that you phrase it and the way that you taught it to me is the way that I've carried it forward is your five good breaths. And if that takes you, if it takes you 10 good breaths to get, you know, 10 breaths to get to five good ones, that's fine. I love the patience that that is and the, the individuality that that allows for. Feels... And it brings in non-judgment, which is so yeah. important to improvisation of like, cause I don't want to judge. I'm not going to judge your breasts. Number one, I don't have time to judge your breaths. Uh, number two, give your breath to your breath. That's your breath. Like, yeah, like, come on, <laughs> you got, you get to get that control. And I know you're going to judge it uh, anyways. And I don't want to offset that. Like, because the idea is we're taking time 30 seconds, maybe, to come into the present. And the reason we use breath is you can't breathe in the future. You can't breathe in the pa past. So here we are. I'm just, if I only spend this 15 to 30 seconds in the present, then I have done what I needed to do. And then if you like, you're a rock star at that and you want to try it, you can, you're like, oh, I want to take, what's the next level up? Yeah. Three times a day. You could do it every hour on the hour. So it's, it's I have really some clients doing that right now. Yeah. That every hour on the hour to incorporate their, their, their slowing process and their being in their body process into their whole day. It's pretty magnificent to watch the change. And noticing like what comes up that's, what are the silly stories that we're telling ourselves to take ourselves away for giving ourselves this one little thing? This one little thing, just like, can we give ourselves this just one little thing today? And we'll have these stories of like, I don't have the time, right? So in improvisation, we practice disregarding those unhelpful messages, you know, swipe left on them. Thank you. Now pipe down or go take a nap. Uh, my British friends say, thank you, sod off, right? Those are unhelpful messages that are not true, right? I do have time to take five good breaths. And then there are other ones that take longer. So there's, there are gratitude practices that are really important to this program. And I offer a whole bunch of different gratitude practices and you can take the one that you like or cycle through. Uh, their play is a really important part. So that's another happiness habit. So finding one to 10 minutes to play every day, which some people do because they have, some people do because they love it. And some people do because they have all these old ideas about the benefits of play and the value of play. Play more is a core value of Happier Valley comedy. So like I, and that's the thing I found that I missed more than anything is I, during the pandemic is I haven't had as much time to play as I did before. As part and of has it been not as much time or has it been not as much mood? Like play comes naturally to me in some places and spaces and with some people. Honestly, in your company, I find myself very playful, right? Like just automatically, I walk into a room and even if you're mopey, I, I have felt myself like, oh, it's playtime. And I think that's part of the nature of how we have interacted over the years. But now with this whole, like with the separation and the change, I had to really be intentional to put play in my life because the spaces that I found myself in were spaces where I primarily either worked or disciplined or created life, like very, like the parts of life that had to go on, like creating meals and things like that. 
So we had to really reinvent, reimagine what, where play fit and put it like back in our kitchen. We had to start dancing in our kitchen. Like we really intentionally because and that's what this is about it's scheduling it my my husband and I we now keep a uh, basket on the dining room table that has three decks of cards in that in it exploding kittens which is a de- card yes. game uh, and made uh, Angela play that oh yeah. it's fun there's an online version and then uh, that's also fun and uno uh, just because we had it and we we added to that and made it even more fun and then we've been playing gin rummy and learning that so like at the after dinner we pull it out we have running running tallies of who's who's winning, you know, cause we have like the endless game. So that is one way of scheduling it in or just online words with friends or whatever brings you joy. Or I do the mini crossword puzzle online for New York times, but it's just finding time every day to play. Uh, or the one, another one that I did for my, the last time I went through the program with people is rest management. Ooh, say more. Right. (laughs) And I was like, I I needed to choose my medicine. And I was like, not only when I was preparing to teach it, I sat down and I was like, I knew it was important. I knew if we rest more in the science, all these are evidence-based, right? They're all based in scientific studies. And the science shows that people who rest more are more productive. It's not the more we work, the more productive we are. In fact, there's a direct, indirect correlation. What's it called, Dr. Hamilton? Uh, That between the amount of work we do and the amount of productivity we have. So uh, so we need to rest, but resting is really, really hard because we have this idea. We have all sorts of ideas about it. So rest, manager can, rest management can look a lot of different ways. And I give people all these different possibilities and then you pick the one for you. So when I was doing it, I tried, what did I, I was trying to remember, what did I do? what I start out oh yeah I was resting my eyes I decided that would be fun there's this thing called 2020 uh to, to rest your eye eye doctors give it to rest your eyes from the computer so every 20 minutes you look 20 feet away for 20 seconds right so I did that and I did one other thing I can't remember what it was uh I kind of had like a meltdown at the end of the first week I was not relaxed <laughs> it didn't work so good. I learned that. That's why it's called the happiness experiment, right? So I was like, okay, what else do, can I try to rest, to make myself rest? So every day at one o'clock, I set a timer. I could, the, my rule was uh, the alarm went off. I could hit snooze. I couldn't hit disable or whatever, ignore. Uh, and I would do a five-minute meditation because I'm already meditating in the morning and with my legs up the wall, I have a funky back. So it's a yoga position, legs up wall or whatever. So I did that for five minutes every day because my old idea was that I don't, I can't meditate in the middle of the day and I don't have five minutes in the, at one o'clock, but I did it anyway as an experiment. That's what this is about. It's not a promise. I didn't call it the happiness promise. It's an experiment. If we do this one little thing every day for 30 days, will it make a difference? And I'm pretty psyched. It made a huge difference in my life. Uh, like I was, I didn't feel so anxious and stressed out. Do you recommend not doing too many of these things at once? Great question, type A. <laughs> I want to do them all. <laughs> yes, that's the rule, in fact. Okay. That, in fact, and that's a, it's what's become a huge guiding force of this. You can pick one or two. I will present 11 you're only allowed to pick one or two. 
And there are people like, no, I watch more <laughs> Cookie Monster, right? more, 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 more. Uh, and I'm like, this nope. room. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody here. Nobody here. Nobody listening, probably. But there are those people who would want to do all 11. <laughs> but when I found when people did it, what ended up happening is by day 10, they're doing zero. Or they've given up on all of it. Yeah, they're, they've given up on all of it and they've dropped all the balls and like, forget it, this isn't for me. Or they're doing them in a really shallow way. Because you could just do five good breaths every day for 30 days and have an extremely deep and profound experience. More is, is not better. So we say small, small, small. You can't make it too small. That's a quote from one of, a, one of a, the early uh, clients who went through it. And, and I quote it all the time because it's true. It's like, how small can you make it? And so I have these one-on-one -on -one meetings with people if they want, where I'm checking up on them. You know, they're checking in with me about how it's going. And almost always my recommendation is when they're having trouble, can we make this smaller? That's improv. Let's just take one step at a time. I cannot improvise an entire show. And in fact, if I try to improvise an entire show, that's called like, writing a show, right? It's writing a show. I get it's called writing, right? It, or I would never get on stage. Yeah. Right. Because it's overwhelming. But I'm just going to do this one small thing at a time, one moment at a time, one step at a time. Well, besides doing check ins with you, what do you recommend the participants do to just be mindful of changes that might be happening in their life as a result of doing these experiments? Well, we so we have again, everything is optional. I do this two and a half hour presentation that they could watch or see. I know it sounds long, but it's completely interactive. So we're having tons of fun and it flies by because uh, it's we're trying out all 11. So you pick your one or two. And then if you want, every Wednesday, you could check in at for our happier half hour uh, from 530 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. We have a game that we play. So we play and then we have a discussion time. So that's a good time for connecting with other people. And I'll, I'll give you questions that you can use for guided or you guys can do free form. I put them in breakout rooms in a small group. And that's a good time to check in and just to evaluate how it's going. If people have the energy, like after a week or two and it feels like the habit's really happening and they wanna deepen it, journaling is a great way to do that. Again, I'm not gonna tell them to do that from the get-go because I want you to do it. it. Like seven days is easy to do something. Day one to seven, it's, it's really the pedal hits the metal day 10, 11, 12. And there's another presentation that's optional or they can watch the video that talks, I give them 10 uh, accountability tools or 10 habit keeping tools to help you do it every single day. And they're really simple, easy tools like write yourself a note or have we, I assign people accountability buddies if they want. Uh, so you could check in with your accountability buddy. That's another thing you could do. So it's, it's really, it's a buffet. You could pick what you want. I love it. Do you think about do you ask people to think about how their relationships are changing or how their sleep is changing or their relationship to work? Cause I, I don't mean to get super prescriptive with these questions. Cause you're like define breathing. But, um, I think sometimes listeners are looking for more specific action steps. Cause if they were to do the five good breaths a day and then 10 days in, they started journaling about it. They might be wondering, well, what should I be writing about in here? Is there anything that you try to give for prompts? Yeah. What is your, what is your, yes, I'll give you, a, so, and you also get all these resources. I like, you know, just, I like more, more, more person. 
So you can go to the resource page and see all sorts of great stuff on ways to expand and deepen it. So yeah, I'll give them prompts so they can email me. I'm the happiness coach. You get a happiness coach for 30 days. So you can email me at any time and I'll give those, those kind of prompts. But I really encourage people not to evaluate it for 30 days, just to experience it. And this also comes from improvisation. We're not judging the show as we're in it. If we're judging the show as we're improvising it, we're in the wrong headspace. We're not, we're paying attention to what's actually happening, accepting that reality and striving to move forward together with positivity. So I don't want people to judge it because what if they decide after 10 days that five good breaths is not for them? And then on day 15, if they had done it, like the magic really comes with the repetition is what, what people say, yeah. making it a habit every day. It's not magical in the beginning. And even what I talk to them about is not magical. I'll say it's doing it every day for 30 days. And then we say, and then we have a conversation. We have a ending celebration. I was like, okay, so how did it go? What do you want to hold on to? What did you learn? How do you want to use what you learned moving forward? And now that you know all 11 happiness habits, you're a pro at one or two of them, you could, you could do another two. So you would devote 30 days to it, but now that's in your arsenal. Those, those are in your arsenal and you could use these 11 habits any way you want. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> I like the evaluation piece, like to stay away from that. I think I tend to go into that mode pretty quickly. So to get permission to not do that and instead, just, just do it and not be concerned about how it's working is a nice, um, relief. I think we don't know how the story is going to turn out. Yeah. Okay. It makes sense too. Cause if you're measuring it too soon, like a lot of other things may be moving. I mean, you have a life, right? So you could be measuring something, checking in. And in particular, when I offer people, you know, habits to include, if those habits have to do with their relationships, that's, that's my wheelhouse. The other person may not be responding to your change. And so it, it's too soon to measure it all, and their change could interfere with your ability to see that you've made that you've made a difference in yourself. Like you, if you're, if you're looking out there to right. measure it out there, you might miss the point. I, I remember that from early parenting too. Like if I paid too much attention to my children's behavior and took it on as a reflection of whether I was doing my practices, like, no, they're people, they're individuals having their days. And yeah. sometimes those days appear to be really bad. And if I measured my worth by that, that would really suck. So I like the idea that you hold off, hold back. We don't know how the story's going to end. Right. right? Yeah. And I used to remind myself when my kids were little, they will not go to work on their first day of work in diapers. It's true. With a binky in their mouth. Right. It's like, it's the big picture. Right. And Today, our children are that old now. And in fact, none of all of our children have gone to their first day of work in, in their diapers and with their binkies. And we're if good. they are, and if they do, I'm. That's a different out. job. And that's not, okay. And that's okay. Like, Don't anyone's yum. That's yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. That's a whole different job Then yeah. Hey, all work is work. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you this, Angela, I have had spouses email me afterwards to thank me. Nice. Oh, wow. 
That's cool. Was well, one of those spouses can wait. <laughs> you can wait for that. 30 no. days after this one starts, you can expect an email from Ken, I'm sure. <laughs> Are there any other foundational um, beliefs or um, tenets from improv that you feel that you've applied during this time on the planet that you feel have helped you to just be able to better manage your emotions or time that you would like to share with the listeners? Yeah. And we've talked about this a little bit, but I think the the one that is so handy, no matter whether I'm improvising a show or seeking my own resilience and self-care, facilitating it with others or doing personal growth or professional development or corporate training, this one rings true with the most people. And that is redefining, redefine and disempower failure, right? Redefining and disempower failure, right? So we teach, I teach in improv, there are no mistakes on stage. There are only opportunities. It's only a mistake on the stage if you indicate you made a mistake. The audience doesn't know it's improvised. So the audience doesn't know what's planned or nothing's planned, but what's going to happen. So if you're like, ooh, that sucked, ah, uh, then that's the mistake, not the thing that happened. Every, otherwise, it's an opportunity. And if you watch skillful improv, you'll see them using every wobble as fodder for lovely comedy. And it's the same thing in life. I teach, it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. Everything is an opportunity for future success. Everything is an opportunity for learning. And what do you learn more from your mistakes or your successes? Me, just my successes. That's it. That's, yeah. It's just me personally. You. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, Pam, why don't you tell us more about where we can sign up for your program? And oh my gosh, the time is flying by so much. <laughs> it's because we're such delights. You are. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> yeah. You can go to happiervalley.com uh, and sign up for all our stuff happening there. We'll be doing uh, this virtual program. The last one that I'm going to be doing of the spring or summer kicks off on. May 8th. So you have to sign up before that. Uh, and that's on there. If two people sign up together, you get 50 bucks off both of you. So that's super cool. Uh, if anybody in, uh, identifies as BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, person of color, you could, uh, we get a 50 to 100% discount on that. So that's our reparations pricing. So there are lots of ways to save money. I really want, my goal is, is not to make a mint on this, it's to help people through this really hard time. And this is the way, of what I'm offering at this time. And how can someone win a free spot? You'd- yeah, well, it depends when this, how, how do you want to do it, Ange? We haven't talked about this. We could, we're doing our own drawing on May 3rd. Is this gonna, when well, is this? This is gonna air um, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Okay. So yeah, go to happiervalley.com. Right on the page, you can join the giveaway contest and we're going to be giving away a free spot on May 3rd. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. Everybody wins something because that makes (laughs) me happy. I love that Pam's joy and ease makes everybody's life better. That's my purpose. Like facilitating joy is my purpose in life. So that's what brings me joy. Yes. Is it facilitating joy? (laughs) Well, this has been so joyful. 
Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for coming on the show. (laughs) Now, I love this so very much that we've all come on the show. We've all. All When you say it, it's different. Isn't it though? I can ruin anything. That's my special superpower. It's not not ruining it. It's not a failure. Oh, oh. It's definitely not. I, I say ruin. Um, my teenagers, it's odd. I don't know why they um, they don't like it when I turn everything into sexual innuendo. Weird, right? <laughs> but that, sh- that shifts. That shifts. Yeah. Now that my daughter is 22, on her, on her computer, it says, quote, that. She. Like, that. that's what she said or whatever. Exactly. That's what yeah. She is whatever. They'll it, get my jokes later is what you're telling me. Exactly. They will, <laughs> they will enjoy it later. It sinks in. It sinks in. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Pam. This has been Let's a pleasure. Let's do an awkward exit. Yeah. We started um, it awkwardly. So. Let's just. I, maybe. I, uh, we'll uh, <laughs> maybe next time. Call me. What? Um. <laughs> Follow hashtag all the things. Uh, me. Me. Oh, hashtag hugs hashtag virtual hugs Jolie and I hope you love listening as much as we love making this show if so tell us by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend Claim the Stage is a production of Speaker Sisterhood and is produced in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Music is composed by Kelly Vogel of Sound Passage. All right, that does it for us this week. Until next time, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now. Mm